guys, I am so excited to spend time with you today in the reading of the word every morning. Well, actually, no, not every morning now. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we come together for 20 minutes to read scripture, and then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture. That's why we call it the read and rant, because we read and then we we rant. And I call it a rant because I ain't really got anything planned today, okay? I'm just spending time reading, and we're going to prayerfully ask for the Lord to speak to us in this moment and in this time. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen here, and that's kind of what's cool about it. We just get to sit and reflect and spend time together in the Word, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we allow the opportunity for God to breathe into it. This isn't a Bible study, right? That's more planned. This is a Bible reading. And so if we're going to read scripture, we want to meditate on the word. If we're going to meditate on the word, then we need to posture ourselves to receive from God. And so what I, what I ask you to commit to as we're reading through the entire Bible, by the way, this is where we've started Matthew. So if you're just coming on, you're just a part of this. Guess what? You've come at a good time. You may have missed the last two readings, but you can catch up. We're in Matthew chapter eight today, and we're going to continue reading throughout the entire New Testament. And the, the goal is just to read through the entire New Testament with you. And so I look forward to doing that with you. And what I ask you to do every time that you come to read the word, okay, I ask that you do three things. Ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? First one, God, what are you revealing concerning people? That's the second one. And third, God, what are you revealing concerning me? We're going to prayerfully posture ourselves to receive from God as we spend time in the word. That's right. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm only on discord. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I spend time in prayer on discord with our discord community. So definitely join our discord community, discord.gg slash opus prayer, discord.gg slash opus prayer. But I come with expectation every time because if it's my preparation, y'all, it is what it is. But if we just trust that God would speak to us together corporately in our time together and to speak to each and every one of us individually, because what God may be revealing and speaking to you today may not be what he's speaking to me today about. And so as I'm reflecting, I'm just giving you an opportunity to eavesdrop into my journey as I read through in the morning, as I spend time in meditation of the word in the morning. And so we're going to read. And we're going to see what God says. And so we're going to pray and then we're going to get started. Father, we thank you for, Lord, the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together again to read your word. Father, we pray that you would bless this moment. Bless each and every person who's here, Lord God. Let this be a moment of revelation. Let this be a moment of encouragement. Let this be a moment of empowerment, Lord God. I just pray for each and every person who's here. There are those who are here right now, Lord, who don't even believe any of this stuff. And I'm glad they're here. Um, I just pray, Lord, that you would just journey with us all together. Lord, that you would walk with us all together, um, wherever we are in our faith, wherever we are in our understanding. Um, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, guide us and lead us as we, Lord, dig into your word. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. Quick side note, I know I've got, atheists, agnostics, I've got um, uh, Muslims, I've got Buddhists, I've got all kinds of people across the spectrum who join me. And I know that because they messaged me privately <laughs> afterward. Um, 
but I just want to say um, I'm, I'm encouraged that you're here. Okay, I, I really am. I'm encouraged that you're here because I'm not here to dictate to you. I just want you to journey with me through the word. That's it. Just journey with me through the word. Um, Oz, uh, I'm in a different religion, so can I join? Of course you can join. Of course you can join, fam. <laughs> I don't care what you are, brother. <laughs> yes, you can join. We look forward to having you, man. Okay? And if and if the Christians start tripping up in my Discord, let me know. All right? <laughs> I'll kick them out. <laughs> All right, brother? Uh, but no, I love, I love, listen, man, I love having uh, conversations, journeying with people who are not believers, who are not Christians. So if you're not a Christian, you are welcome here. Okay? I want to let you know that right now. You are welcome here. Um, he he was just asking Asia. He was just asking if he can come to Discord uh, because, you know, he's not a Christian. I'm like, yes, come now. Join right now. <laughs> All right? And no one's going to force you or try to convert you. We're just going to just journey with you. Okay? All right? All right, fam? I love it, man. I love it. Come on down. All right? Come on down. All right, so we're going to read uh, Matthew chapter eight, and then we're going to get we're going to get going. And it says this. Concerning Jesus, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him and behold, a leopard, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And the servant was healed in that same hour. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife, his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Hmm. 
And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Goodness, Jesus. Now, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful? O you of little faith. And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled saying, how can this be that even the winds and the seas obey him? When he had come to the other side in the country of Gergesenus, there met a man, two demon, sorry, there met him, two demon possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now, a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon possessed men and behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Chapter nine. So he got into a boat, crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralytic son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk? But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, Many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go 
and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Hmm. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm going to highlight that. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as a bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. So many things here to talk about, fam. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and a noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. <laughs> but when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into the land. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And the eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitude marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. <coughs> but then Jesus went into all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
chapter 10. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Hmm. Now the names of the apostles are these. First Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter into the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks to you. Hmm. Now, brother, I will deliver up brother to death and a father, his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in the city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Hmm. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body. Hmm but cannot kill the soul. 
but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think, verse 34, that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Golly, Jesus. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. <laughs> he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of the little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. I'm going to stop right there. <clears throat> I'm so glad you guys are all here. I'm glad we were able to spend some time in the reading of the word. I'm always encouraged by our time as we commit it to God's word, just to hear from God. The temptation for me, as I'm flipping through these pages, as we've just read these three chapters, eight, nine, and 10, the temptation that I have is to sit down and exegete this text and to work through this entire text. We're not afforded that. As a matter of fact, the whole purpose of our time here is to read and to posture ourselves in a way to hear from God. Bible study, I'll leave that for my Discord community. And maybe we'll find more time to engage and to commit to Bible study. <clears throat> However, um, we will sometimes share and help explain some parts as we read the Word of God. I like that you just mentioned that. There's a lot of convicting verses here few things I want to point out just on a broad level as you're reading this part of the text is, is that often when we present Jesus, we present Jesus as a docile, you know, smooth white man who looks like a European shampoo model who floats through the desert. And has all these men and women following him. And they're just all floating through the wilderness together. And then he just floats up into a mountain. And he, you know, 
you know, he, he utters these words and he speaks these words and everyone kind of just looks up. Y'all seen them Jesus movies. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And you'll see him just kind of just, you know, share some teaching and, you know, his, his voice is so calming and, and soothing and, and we hear all that, right? And we, we see all that. And this is the portrayal that that we give of of Jesus we give the portrayal of a Jesus who is um, um irrelevant and what i mean by irrelevant meaning he only mattered to a few we portray Jesus where he kind of just he doesn't challenge anything he's just kind of just this love everybody and love people and let's just love one another and you know it's just love <laughs> not realizing that Jesus was a man of stature Jesus was a man of duty Jesus was a son of God and if Jesus who is God as we'll read, read, read later on in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word. Oh yeah, the hippie Jesus. Yes, that one, there you go. The hippie Jesus. You know, we present Jesus looks like a hippie not realizing that Jesus was a man of authority. That's right, Henry, a man of stature. He was a man who commanded respect where he went. He was a man who spoke with authority. The scriptures even tell us that, that he spoke with authority. A man who does not speak with authority has no relevance. But a man who speaks with authority not only is relevant, but a man who speaks with authority challenges the status quo. You don't get to have authority and not have opposition. Let me say that one more time. You don't get to have authority and not have opposition, fam. So many of us want position without opposition. But there is no position unless there is opposition. And a lot of folk, they want to get put on platforms, but they're not ready to deal with the stuff that comes with the platform. And this is for some folks who sit around and talk about how they want authority and they command authority. If you're not ready to ruffle feathers, if you're not ready to deal with opposers, if you're not ready to deal with people who are going to come against you, criticize you, hate on you, and fam, you are not ready for opposition. You are not ready to take on position. And this is so critically important because I believe today, we have this deluded Christianity, this deluded faith that only seeks to appease everyone, that only seeks to satiate the current cultural climate, that now the Christian faith has lost its relevance. I don't know if y'all catching where I'm going with this because I think sometimes we confuse love with enabling. Like just, just think about this. Take a mother with their child. Take a father with his son. 
A father who sees himself in his son, who carries his DNA. He is not a loving father if he doesn't correct his son. He is not a loving father if he doesn't say, yo, listen, you're off right now. You need to, you need to, you need to straighten up. He's not a loving father if he doesn't discipline his son. And I think what happens is that we confuse love with coddling, with enabling. And so we let people be and do whatever they want to be or do and to live however way they want to live, believing there's no consequence to it, only later on to find that there is consequence to it. If you know that there is a better life in a better way, then it demands opposition. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He comes that we may have life. Here's where we get a rub, fam. Is you don't get to be a Christian and not face opposition. I'm sorry. I'm I'm going into full-blown rant, so stay with me here for a second, fam. Let me say that one more time. You don't get to be a Christian and for everyone to like you. You don't get to be a Christian and not face opposition. You, you, you don't get to say I'm a believer and not face people who are going to oppose you for your faith. The problem is, is that we live in an era today where we all want to be in agreement and we all want to kind of let everyone stay in their own comfortable circles. We call this um, uh, moralistic relativism where we're all kind of just, hey, you live your truth. I'll live my truth. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. And so we live in this sort of appeasing culture. And in doing so, somehow the church believed that they're loving people doing that. Loving people is not imposing your truth on people. Okay. Loving people is standing for the truth without judgment. And the reason why we see even in the West that the Christian faith is losing relevance is because what are Christians really standing on anymore? You live your truth. I live my truth. You do your thing. I do my thing. You know, you know, whatever. So nobody cares because you don't stand for anything. Fam, if you have authority, by the very nature of having authority, you're going to have opposition. And here we see a Jesus that we don't see in movies. We see a Jesus who's going up against the system. We see a Jesus who's confronting the evil empire. We see a Jesus who he was just on the Sermon on the Mount. And I know everybody's seen a movie scene or seen a piece of art where Jesus is at the Sermon on the Mount and he's got this flowing garment and he's standing on top of the mountain and he's speaking and, and he's ushering in this message of the kingdom of God. And it's so beautiful. But Jesus comes down from the mountain. <laughs> there you go, pretty Jesus. There you go. But Jesus comes down from the mountain. And Jesus begins to confront the opposition. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. 
Jesus comes down and he begins to disturb the status quo. Jesus comes down from there. Remember, Jesus just came from the wilderness. From the wilderness, he goes up to the mount. And now we see the imagery of these collection of teachings of Jesus. The model prayer, judge not lest ye be judged. Do not worry. Ask, seek, and knock. Narrow is the way. The wise man who built his house on. So we see all these collection of sayings and teachings of Jesus on this proverbial mountain. <laughs> he goes on the mount, but then he comes down from the mountain. Chapter eight. We started the reading today. He came down from the mountain. And the moment that Jesus came down from that mountain. The system was disturbed. The moment Jesus came down from the mountain, the spiritual forces and systems were disturbed. Jesus comes down and he begins to usher in what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God does not maintain the status quo. The kingdom of God crushes and destroys the status quo. The kingdom of God does not show up into something for it to remain the same. The kingdom of God comes in and everything gets disturbed. Everything gets disturbed because if things are getting disturbed in the spirit, then they will manifest in the physical. And notice the first place Jesus goes, he goes down and he clean, cleanses a leper. The imagery of what happens in the work, in the ministry of Jesus Christ to cleanse those that society has rejected, who society has seen, who are impure from the outside. Then Jesus goes from the leper and he heals a centurion servant. And then, and then they teach how he then healed his mother-in-law. This is what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come in. People are healed. The status quo is pain. The status quo is suffering. The status quo is death. But when Jesus comes in, the status quo has been shattered and removed. Then Jesus continues to heal and heal. Notice that's the first thing that Matthew speaks about is the healing. Then Jesus disturbs nature. This is what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come. The kingdom of God is not heaven and hell. It's not heaven or hell. The kingdom of God is not heaven. <laughs> the kingdom of God is literally a kingdom on earth. Why do we know that? Because we read what Jesus said. Sorry if I flip it and I'll go back, fam. Because we always miss this, family. What did Jesus say? Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, your kingdom, what? Come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait, hold up a second. So the kingdom of God is not heaven. The kingdom of God is when heaven comes down and meets earth. It's when God dwells on earth. 
I, I, you know, I, I, again, people, you know, we, we get into all, I mean, I hear all these debates about, you know, the purpose of salvation and going to heaven and, and, and we're not going to get into all that. We're going to just speak specifically right now into what Jesus is saying. And what Jesus is saying is, is that the kingdom of God is a new government that is established here on earth, the new Jerusalem. That's right, Mike. And Jesus is now beginning to reveal and to expose what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God is not a government. It's not a world order. It's a kingdom that is strange. It's an upside down kingdom. This is what it looks like to rule. You know, people say, well, I can't wait for Jesus to rule, to come and rule. You know, Jesus was ruling in this moment. Jesus is actually showing what ruling looks like. Jesus is showing what authority looks like. Jesus is coming in and Jesus is revealing, fam, I came to bring restoration to the earth. While all y'all trying to go to heaven, Jesus is coming down on earth. Woo-wee. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I know we're trying to follow the rules in the Bible. I know. I know you're trying to find out what are the things you need to do to go to heaven. I know. I know. I know you're trying to find out how you need to live in order to go up into the sky. I know. I know. But it seems that Jesus is less concerned with the sky. Jesus is more concerned with what's happening here on earth. Jesus is more concerned with bringing heaven on earth. Jesus is more concerned with establishing his justice on earth. So now Jesus comes and he begins to dwell and he, we, be, we behold his glory. I know I'm bringing stuff from John here into this text, but we see all of this. And notice Jesus is disturbing the status quo because in the status quo, there's governments. In the status quo, there are empires. In the status quo, there's, there's economic oppression. In the status quo, there's social and cultural oppression. In the status quo, there's <clears throat> gender uh, um, uh, oppression in the status quo women have no rights in the status quo Israel has no authority in the status quo Rome is the power in the status quo people are sick in the status quo people are blind in the status quo people are mute in the status quo, people are oppressed. In the status quo, people are broken. And what Jesus does is he enters and he messes the whole thing up. Economics, politics, society the spiritual realm. Notice that a lot of the work that Matthew's speaking about is the ministry of Jesus in the realm of the spirit. Casting out demons. 
It's always funny when we read this, not realizing that there is an intimate relationship between our present physical state and our spiritual state. It's almost like we just ignore that part because the spirit is somehow something that is lived out later on after you die, not realizing the spirit is a present thing. Your spirit is a present thing. There are parts of you right now that hurt, that are not physical. I always, I always people go, I don't know if I believe in the spiritual. If you believe in immaterial things, then you believe in the spiritual. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't know why I'm going to full blow. I'm, this is why we call this a rant, y'all. I don't, I don't have any. I'm just here to just talk, and I'm here to think out loud, and I'm here to share with you whatever insight I have. This is, this is what I come to do. But fam, if you believe in the immaterial, then you have to believe in the spiritual, because the spiritual is immaterial. When people say, well, I don't believe in the immaterial, I only believe in material. Fam, have you ever had pain that you know isn't physical? Like, just think about that for a second. You've had pain that you know isn't physical. You hurt inside. And you know it's not your heart, but it's like your heart. Because you're not just physical. You ever had that feeling inside and you don't know? Have you ever felt a certain way? And you know it's not physical, but all of a sudden it begins to manifest physical, physically. You ever been so nervous and all of a sudden it's like you start feeling sick and then all of a sudden your body starts to respond to it and then you throw up. You ever, this is going to help some folks who are even dealing with spiritual things and spiritual issues. You ever had that feeling where you go, I can't, I just can't find rest because my mind is going crazy and I wish I could just turn off my mind. And yet everything you, everything, you just can't, you just can't turn it off. And this is not to say that um, there aren't physical dimensions to mental illness, but I'm not talking about mental illness. I'm talking about something even deeper than mental and I know there's some folks who know exactly what I'm talking about. You know there's something deeper than just the chemical imbalances, hormonal imbalances. You know there's something else there. You ever had somebody hurt you? Then you hurt me. They didn't. They didn't punch you physically. They didn't shoot you. They didn't physically assault you, but their words hurt you. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because some folks who are still trying to understand the spirit as if the spirit is something that exists later. No, it exists now. You are primarily spirit. You know, when they say sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie. Words can often hurt more than sticks and stones. 
That's why the scriptures tell us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Because sticks and stones, they'll hurt. But words can hurt even more. But there's nothing physical. And it wasn't a chemical imbalance that brought that pain. It was literally someone's words who poked and pierced you. It was the words that were said. And there are people still wounded by words. Oh, man. This is why the scriptures say that words are spirit. Words are spiritual. That's why you could say something to somebody and all of a sudden, everything in you shifts. In the same way, words are sword. Your tongue, yes, your tongue is a two-edged sword. Whoo, man. Why do you think wars are being fought today? What do you think causes wars today? And what do you think prohibits wars from being fought? Words. Words. And some of us need healing just from words. Some of us are cut deep and we're bleeding from words. Some of us, it's the trauma of the words that have been spoken to us. This goes beyond psychological. This is spiritual. And so when Jesus enters in, comes down from the mountain, Jesus is coming to disturb every form of pain, brokenness, and hurt. Jesus is coming to address the status quo. The demon-possessed men. Here's one thing I find interesting. And I, before I even go into the demon-possessed men, and and I'm running out of time. Oh, my goodness. Lord Jesus, help us. Um, it should come as no surprise to you that the same word for the word healing is the same word that is used for the word salvation. When Jesus saves, he heals. When Jesus heals, he saves. And so when we see Jesus doing the work here of healing people, Jesus is giving a glimpse into the kingdom of God, a glimpse into salvation, a glimpse into what it looks like for God to rule. <coughs> And then Jesus then says to them that there are a lot of you that think that it's going to be, oh, it's going to be blood that gets you here. You guys are still thinking that Israel is going to rule, but you think Israel's rule is going to be institutional, political. Uh, you, you think Israel's rule is going to be economic. But what does Jesus say in chapter 8, verse 10? When Jesus heard it, he marveled. 
and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith. So the centurion who was not blood, the centurion who was not a descendant of Abraham, says, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The centurion was likely to be Roman. So this European man who expressed faith, he says, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And notice what Jesus says next. And I say to you that many will come from east and west. What is he saying here? He's saying they're going to come from Asia. They're going to come from Africa. They're going to come from Europe. They're going to come from all over east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. This is for all the folks who, you know, when they, uh, <laughs> uh, my discord is discord.gg slash Opus There are a lot of folks who are still having this, you know, this whole argument of, well, we're the descendants of Abraham. Jesus is telling you straight up, unless you don't believe in Jesus, then fine. But don't tell me you believe in Jesus and not believe what Jesus says, because those are Jesus's words, that there are many who will sit down with Isaac Jacob and Abraham who will not be Abraham's descendants who will be from the East and from the West. And notice what he says, but here's your warning as well, that there are sons of the kingdom who will be cast out into utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, so wait, hold on a second. So the sons of the kingdom won't get to partake in the kingdom. Discord.gg slash opus, O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. So there are sons of the kingdom who won't be a part of the kingdom. And there are those from east to west who will sit down with Abraham in the kingdom. So all y'all who want to talk about your Abraham's descendants, we're the real Hebrew Israelites. Great. Jesus don't care. We're the real descendants of Abraham. Black Jesus don't care. <laughs> black Jesus is not concerned with that. Okay? So you can go on with your black Jesus because black Jesus don't care. Black Jesus is telling you right here that they're going to be white folk, brown folk, Asian folk, Indian folk, all kinds of folk, all the folk from everywhere, speaking all different kind of languages and coming from all different kind of places and all these folk, men and women, all of them going to come in. They're going to join together and be a part of this kingdom. And they're going to be the ones that sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is for all of you. Cause I've not got folks in here who still deal with the ignorant, um, black power, black Jesus movement, all that stuff. There are all kinds of different black Jesus movements, all kinds of, you know, are you the descendant of Abraham movement? So I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you some stuff so that you can defend yourself. Take that. Okay. Bring that to them, please. All right. All right. Because Jesus said that what's going to get them in is not going to be blood. What is going to get them in? Faith. Faith is what's going to get them in. We're united by faith. <laughs> we have been made one by faith. And so as Jesus is healing, 
Who is experiencing it? Those who are being brought into the body. Don't, don't be surprised here how it's all the people that Israel generally rejected. Those are the ones that Jesus is healing and bringing back in. I am closing out now because I'm out of time. I could be here all day on this because, man, oh my gosh, there's so many things here. Okay, whatever. I'm just going to sit here for a minute. Have you noticed here what Matthew is showing us? The lepers were people Israel rejected. Not Israel. Now Jesus restores. The centurion are people that Israel never thought or would ever imagine would be partakers in the kingdom of God. Jesus heals him and says that he has faith, so he's part of the kingdom. Peter's mother-in-law, the women are the ones who were considered second-class citizens. And yet Jesus heals her and puts her to work. The people who were sick were the ones who were ostracized. They're the ones who were denigrated. They're the ones who were rejected. They're the ones that Israel didn't care for. Jesus heals her. Jesus heals them, sorry. Then when they say, well, we want to follow you, Jesus. Jesus says, I have no home. <laughs> A certain scribe. The scribes are the ones who know the scriptures came to him and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I have no home here. Because you're trying to find position. And yet this isn't even my home. Then another one says, hey, let me go first bury my father. Jesus says, let the, bur let the dead bury the dead. The status quo. This was a huge infraction in Israel to just leave your father and follow. That is a huge infraction of Levitical and Mosaic law. Jesus is like, let the dead bury the dead. The demon-possessed men. What ended up happening here? Jesus ended up getting kicked out. They kicked him out. They said, now nah, you got to leave. Then Jesus goes and he's still... He's destroying the status quo. He forgives and heals the paralytic. You know, the paralytics were the ones that Israel would reject. How do you forgive this man? I can't heal him and not forgive him. As a matter of fact, I care about his soul more than his body. And yet if his soul is healed, then his body will be healed. And his body being healed without his soul healed means nothing. Then he calls Matthew the tax collector. Israel never saw the kingdom of God for him. Then they asked about fasting because they believed that the law was what brought them into heaven. And Jesus is like, um, you need not fast if the bridegroom, what was he said? Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Jesus saying, I'm here, so why are you fasting? You don't need to fast if I'm here. Which, by the way, teaches us why we ought to fast. We don't fast out of legal obligation to go to heaven. We fast to get closer to the bridegroom. That's why we fast. And Jesus is saying, well, the bridegroom's right here. One day they will need to fast. Right now they don't. Am I making this plain? Then Jesus restores the girl who died. Jesus is showing that he has power over death. Then the two blind men are healed. Jesus is healing. Mute man speaks. 
And then Jesus closes our time together in chapter 10. And then we see a different Jesus. This is not a Jesus who's telling the disciples, hey guys, people are going to love us. This is a Jesus who's telling the disciples, people are going to hate you. You're going to go into cities and no one's going to feed you or dress you or support you. You're going to go places and people are going to despise you, reject you. They may even lock you up and imprison you. Jesus said these things these days are coming. And we know because we read later on in Revelation, those days definitely came. We read through the book of Acts, those days definitely came. Jesus told them their persecution's coming. Jesus says, I send you a sheep among wolves. Jesus is saying, it's not going to be pretty. Don't think this is going to be easy. This ain't going to be easy. In verse 34, Jesus says, I've, Jesus speaks about bringing division. And then he ends with, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Today, what I want to emphasize to you, even as I'm spending time in reading this word, is God has called you to confront the status quo. Some will call it disturbing the peace. But notice Jesus is not fighting anybody. He's not arguing with anybody. He's not getting on Twitter arguments with people. Love upsets the enemy. Love upsets TikTok. Not true love. Jesus will upset the status quo. And yet, if we enter in with the authority of Jesus, we don't need to cause a fight. The fight is coming. You don't go to instigate fights. It's coming. What does Jesus say? He tells us we must persevere in all of it. The fight is here. Okay, if you want to know where the fight is at, just check my DMs. <laughs> if you know where the fight is at, check my comments. If you, want, if you want to know where the fight is at, check your comments. If you know where the fight is at, because get this, the fight is not just with all those really bad people who are not saved and not Christians. Let me tell you something right now. For the people who aren't folks who aren't Christian in here, the fight's not with you. <laughs> Woo-wee. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. The fight is not with you. You're not the enemy. You who the fight's with? Jesus is having a fight with Israel. <laughs> Israel's the problem. Not Israel now that we know. Israel, the religious establishment. That's who we're actually fighting. You know who generally has a problem more often than not when you actually preach the kingdom of God? Church people. <laughs> 
my arguments aren't really with atheists. My arguments aren't with unbelievers. My arguments. No, nah, I don't even argue. I don't really got time for it. My my arguments are with institutionalized Christians who follow the law more than have faith. The status quo that Jesus came to destroy. Notice here that they had problems. Man, I could be here all day. I'm sorry. I got to close this book because if I keep this book open, I'm going to be here all day. Notice what the status quo looked like. And notice what disturbing the status quo looked like. Disturbing the status quo was, can you believe this man is eating with tax collectors and sinners? <gasps> can you believe? What's my take on the de on de Okay, so I have an issue with the deconstruction movement right now. Because the deconstruction movement, I realize, is not deconstruction, it's destruction. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to stop apologizing, but, you know, this is what I do. Because people go, whoa. The deconstruction movement is really a destruction movement. I'm not about the deconstruction movement. Because what they're constructing is a demonic ideal of self-glory, self-empowerment. It is the Antichrist. <clears throat> so I I don't have a problem with deconstruction. It's just that most of those movements that you see that are called deconstruction are actually destruction. They're just here to destroy the church and leave a void so that you can glorify yourself. However, we need to deconstruct a lot of things that we have been taught about the church. And so we're going to need to deconstruct in order to reconstruct. But we don't reconstruct based off of our own philosophies and personal ideals drawing from outside histories. We deconstruct with the help of the scripture, not your experience, and you reconstruct with the scripture, not your personal experience and preference. That's just my point on that. And I'll leave that there. Thank you for asking that, by the way. And so, fam, today, we're going to challenge the status quo with love. Be bold. Stop trying to be friends with people who God hasn't called you to be friends with. <laughs> As a matter of fact, try to be friends with more sinners. <laughs> yes, I said it. <laughs> try to be friends with more sinners and hold fast to the scriptures. Let's get out of the status quo. The club mentality. The we're just part of our little, little cult and little, you know, and we're just going to all just ancestrally feed each other with doctrine and ideas. And we'll let someone in when they finally believe what we believe. How about we love? 
Because fam, a lot of folks who are in church won't see the kingdom of God. But we pray that more people will see the kingdom of God. Love y'all, fam. Father, we thank you, Lord, as we come together, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we upset the status quo, as we disturb the status quo, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom, boldness, grace. Lord, lead us, Lord, in truth, in all truth. Guide us, Lord. Lord, let us be representatives of you, Lord. Let us have confidence to know the work that you've come to establish and the authority that you came to bring and the authority that you've given each and every one of us. And Father, as we enter into these spaces and into these spheres of authority, let us be confident to know that we can be sent as sheep among wolves because we get to come in with the good shepherd. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Fam, I love you. Join our Discord community. Um, we'll be back on Monday for the Read and Rant, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we spend time in prayer together. And so come and join us for that time of prayer. Um, we spend time in prayer together. And also, um, we have Bible study on Sunday night. That will be on Discord only. So those are the only ones we have on Discord. And of course, I record all of this and I post it all on Patreon. So join our Patreon community as well. I'll be posting this right away on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. And again, join our Discord community. If you can't support us on Patreon, that's fine. Discord is free, okay? Just join our Discord community, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. So I know some folks um, can't, can't join Patreon because they don't have the means. However, we have folks who want to actually commit to helping you. We just opened up a scholarship fund. And so um, the link will be there on Discord as well if you want to contribute to the scholarship fund. Um, but I look forward to scholarshiping people. We're going to be scholarshiping folks now to be a part of our Patreon community as well. So that'll be happening soon. Right now, we're just coming together right now, pool our resources so that we can get folks on uh, Discord. So I'm excited about that. Sorry, not on Discord, on Patreon. So I'm excited about that. I will see you guys on Monday. God bless you. Love you. Um, disturb the peace with peace. God bless.